Welcome to River Do's and River Don'ts, a podcast about a show about a town. I'm Quinn. I'm Kat. And I'm Rob. And today we come to talk to you about Season 2, Episode 2, Chapter 15, Nighthawks. Directed by Allison Anders and written by Michael Grassi. Show mainstays. Show mainstays. We're getting into the meat of season two now, and as we do that, we're going to give you a summary of this episode, and then we're going to tell you about our river do's, our favorite thing about the episode, our river don'ts, our least favorite thing about the episode, and our weekly weird. The thing about the episode that most perplexed us, and just the most uniquely Riverdalian thing we found in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Good way to put it. With that said, let's start talking about this episode. I think, Rob, you still have the most copious notes. I have shamefully copious notes Wait, that's this good, week. That's good, Because right, I'm doing the classic. At this point, if I, type, if I try to put Wikipedia into my search bar, it suggests that I jump to the Riverdale page. Yeah, me too. Oh, beautiful. Good job. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's the world's knowledge at your fingertips. We should be using it for something important like this. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 15, Nighthawks. Pop's Chocolate Shop is in the throes of a vicious victim blaming of a business. Jughead appears unable to refuse his destiny as the patron saint of failing businesses in Riverdale and we quickly get into all the kids meeting up, discussing the fate of Pops. And like, it's interesting to me. We really get the kids involved in the town level conflict super fast in this season. Instead of having them kind of have their own thing going and the parents having their own town level thing going that kind of finally come together at the end. We're not really doing that this season. We're, we're keeping the kids involved in the town skullduggery level of things right away. An interesting change from season one. They're evolving. Yes. Archie appears to be on a bit of a hair trigger when he nearly beats Jughead to death (laughs) when he comes in. But Jughead is ready with a reference to arguably the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie, so that is good. But FP is facing 20 years in prison if he takes the deal, which is bad. Oh, God. You you skipped over already perhaps one of my favorite Jughead lines yet. Uh, oh, g- g- give it. How here. many <laughs> damn years? Uh, when he was finding out <laughs> from the lawyer with FP in the room. Yes. That's yeah. just his delivery on how many damn not years, years. Uh, <laughs> solid delivery there. Real good. Please keep going. Four values of good. Uh, yeah. So Betty sees that Archie is absent from his still presumably curtainless, shirtless bedroom window. (laughs) And Veronica suggests to Archie that he accept some help, which is a very good suggestion. And it's nice to see some of these kids being reasonable because we're going to get a lot of the other thing in this season. (laughs) Jughead and Betty suggest to Mayor McCoy that Pops perhaps be declared a landmark to save it from its fate. And the mayor is super, super uninterested in helping anybody. And Jughead calls her out on this in a fashion so epic that I really hope that the other shoe drops on it sometime in the season. Otherwise, it's really goddamn weird. (laughs) I have that line written down, too. I bet you do. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Shall I give it? Let me... Where did I put it? Yeah, do do it. Yeah, hold on. 
Mayor McCoy, you remember this moment. This is the moment you turned your back on both Pop Tate and my father. (gasps) So that has to be a thing that bears fruit or what the hell? I... Um, Jughead, what? Forces to be reckoned with. Pop Tate and F.P. Jones. Oh, what a beautiful child. Yeah. Oh, God. Indeed. He won our like favorite character of season one thing because we listed our top characters and he had the highest combined standing. I, he, I do think he won season one. He did a great job. <laughs> like I said, have a very big soft spot for Fred and F.P. Mm-hmm. I like both of them for very different reasons. Yeah, uh, FP did great. And part part of what he did great for me, that I felt that he just like, Skeet just was like holding on to Cole's shoulders, like, do better. Get out of TV. I believe in you. You know? Yeah. 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 We've also talked about this before, but there is an uncanny similarity. Like, they look related. Yeah, they really do. They do. <laughs> like, he looks like his dad. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. And again, like, I think it's such a great depiction of a person who has made a lot of mistakes and has addictions, but really does want to be a good person. Like, and isn't just, like, content to spiral down, like someone who is fighting against forces larger than himself that are destructive to him and destructive to his soul. I think it's a surprisingly nuanced characterization that's performed super well consistently. Reggie is a drug dealer now. Uh, we we discover a recast. I think drug dealer. Yes, yes, he now. is recast. Mm-hmm. We meet Midge Clump, whose name is just Wow. Oh, Midge! Yeah, she's one of my. She's she's a comic book character, and she's great. Her parents lost a bet. <laughs> oh no! No, she was just named a long time ago. She Aww. was named after an unpleasant feature. Of many marshlands and swamps. Oh no, Midge. Oh man, look at that Midge clump over there. Stay away from that. Mm. Aw, Midge is a great, Midge is a great. She's a cool, yes. the thing about Midge clump is that she's a cool girl too. She's cool. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, that's a, such a cool guy name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Archie, god damn it, Archie. How to put this delicately buys drugs to stay awake so he can fight a serial killer. Yeah, but he gets his butt slapped, so, you know. Yeah. Um good. Uh but toxic masculinity turns out is not just harassment and entitlement and misogyny. It is also manifest stupidity. Yeah, Archie. Yeah. I also like that he didn't like compare the drugs or ask questions. <laughs> no. Like he didn't no. even Whatever. ask what? what's Okay, I'm looking at my options, Reggie, and I'm thinking about this. How does this compare to, say, four cans of Monster Energy drink like every other teenager in the world drinks? What if I got some Adderall from you and had it with some Red Bull? Which is, like, that's what does the thing that Archie wants, by the way. Uh, No, he didn't ask that. He's just like, yeah, fine, jingle jangle. (laughs) The thing that will also give me an erection. Sure. Yes, I was going to point that out. Reggie suggested that it also gives you a uh, raging priapism, (laughs) and Archie's like, all right, checks out. That Um, that ticks another one of my boxes. I want to say this, because it was not, it it didn't make the cut for me for any of my big things this week, but the (laughs) hand gestures. Are some of the most graphic hand gestures I've ever seen 
in my life. He is guaranteeing that there is not only one bat that this murderer is going to be seeing when Archie comes yeah. bearing down <laughs> on him. It is true. like, yeah, I felt vi- like personally violated by the hand gestures <laughs> that Reggie made. It was bad. It's not oh, good. Oh man, Reggie. Oh Reggie. 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 I'm excited so, by a new Reggie um, because the reason that they recast Reggie is that nothing like against the old Reggie. He was great. Um, it's just that he couldn't commit to the time necessity um, mm-hmm. that he he uh, needed to be on other show stuff, too. And Reggie is like a mainstay of Archie Comics. He is a lovable jerk. Okay. Yeah, he, he seems that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a new Reggie around means that we get to have the character featured, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. He doesn't have to be pushed to the sidelines and find reasons not to put him in episodes right. and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Um, so now we get to have, like, a potential bully, but if they have him doing bullying stuff, it won't be, like, bad news Chuck-type bully stuff. It'll be, like, much more palatable. Yeah. Well, and a character through which we can tempt Archie into his masculine stupidity. Yep as well yep. like someone who can cheer him on when he's doing the dumbest archie stuff yes yeah um so um, i'm really looking forward to all of our reggie stuff they're laying that right out on the line right now mm-hmm. oh like, yes immediately oh, yes we're getting him facilitating beaten up potential murderers and a boner that just won't quit <laughs> yep but yep. that's what you want from reggie mantle <laughs> That is a tumescent, throbbing <laughs> slice of characterization uh-huh. for Reggie right off right off the bat here. <laughs> Jughead suggests that the serpents just straight up bust FP out of prison or or kidnap him during a transfer. Oh, the serpents but, don't. Jughead does. Yeah, yeah. No, that's Jughead's idea. And Rex Bikerman, or whatever his <laughs> name is. Uh, Maximum Hog. <laughs> Yeah, definitely is like, yeah, okay, you watch too much TV, you moron. And his better idea is a shady-ass lawyer, which we will return to. Uh, You mean a serpent handler? Indeed. A snake charmer. A snake snake charmer. charmer. A serpent handler, I think, is something to do with what Reggie was selling, actually. But Cheryl goes back on giving the vixens away in that politically inexplicable dance-off from season one. But really, Veronica, were they ever yours? Yeah, I mean, the, the going back on that does make sense. That was suicide gifting. Yeah. She wasn't she really wanting to She threw that dance-off. Yeah. I noticed, too, she seems to have her signature brooch back. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> she just fucking stole it? I guess. When did she get uh, it? Yeah, did she oh, ask no, for our, it our, back? Our... Did- no, 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 Cat. Our headcanon is that she conjured it. Oh, very. that's very good. Cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what happened. And she also refuses to help save Pops through a fundraiser because I guess she is also leaving her character development behind in season one. And that's when she calls the diner death cursed. And I'm like, oh, maybe it is death cursed. Maybe, maybe she knows something. Uh, she's not leaving her character development behind concerning her mother. Mm-mm. She's not doing a full Alice Cooper and just like being a a different character again but she seems much more bitchy towards the other kids than she was or had any reason to be which is a little bit disappointing to me as a fan of hers hopefully we'll just arc her the same way again grundy's dead Whee! Yay! jughead meets penny peabody the 
devilishly charming mob lawyer. I didn't know that smallish street gangs had mob lawyers, but I love it, so it's fine. Yes, Penny Peabody, a name with alliteration. So is it from the comics? Yes, it is, but she is a footnote. <laughs> uh, she doesn't really have any characterization. Let's move on. I, I can tell she's going to get characters into all kinds of trouble yeah, this season, definitely. Which, is, which is good. She straight up godfathers Jughead at one point, so that's that's good. I think my favorite thing about this scene was that when he went into this random tattoo parlor, someone was getting a serpent's tattoo, because of course they were, because Riverdale yeah. can't do anything not on the nose. Nope. Fair. I also would be weird. love the serpent's tattoo, because it is basically just the dark frickin' mark. <laughs> yeah. So... Alice is awful, but at least she's easy to talk into being awful on your behalf if it's interesting to her. Oh, yeah. She says, fine, I'll reach out to my ghoulish friend. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I'll I'll snoop into the details of Grundy's murder illegally. That sounds like a blast. And, like, the coroner is ghoulish. My God. Yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah. We, we, do the, we do all the tropes with that guy. <laughs> like... No trap, no trope was left behind. <laughs> he is channeling the creepy uh, funeral home operator from Phantasm. Yep. They went for he it. He is a pseudo tall man. We basically got to that scene just short a boy. Yep. <laughs> Veronica accuses Hiram of buying Pop's Diner or trying to be the anonymous buyer, uh, which goes nowhere. She produces the letter that he used to threaten Hermione if uh, Veronica didn't testify on his behalf as sort of a character witness. And Hermione cops to writing the letter herself, which we kind of aren't sure if we believe in this scene. But that sort of stops the conflict cold. And we just have this no one can be trusted, nothing is as it seems dynamic really coming into full fruition with this family. We visit... Cheryl and Penelope at a different and fucking even more haunted goddamn house. Thistle House. Thistle House. I assume that if we continue to burn down houses of theirs, we're going to discover that they have like just this procession of even more ghoulish and, and gothic ass places to hang their hats. You're going to be like, okay, well, now we're going to go to Nettle Vault. <laughs> and Bramble Crypt I mean, and Briar Hell. Yeah, I was going to say all the way down to Bramble Hovel. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's lit completely different. It's decorated completely different. It's it's the season one house on something. Like, it's crazy. It was at this point that River Do's and River Don'ts experienced some logistical difficulties and were forced to resume recording somewhat later. That's pretty good. Cool. That's pretty good. <laughs> oh god. Oh Rob. Oh. Yeah, that was a that was a bad thing that I did to myself. Oh, so, god. so were welcome... we talking about like Thistle House? Is that where we were? We were talking about Thistle House. Welcome back to River Do's and River Don'ts. We had a little unplanned interruption. We're good. We're back. We're doing this thing. Little peek behind the curtain. I took a sprint in weather that was entirely too cold and may have screwed up my throat and lungs pretty bad. So if my voice sounds a little different, that's why, because it hurts. Mm -hmm. So yes, Thistle House, another goddamn haunted house that is set decked and lit and photographed completely differently from anything else in Riverdale, continuing that tradition. I want to live there. It's, it's good. Oh, it's it fantastic. is very good. 
and you know yet another piece of information about Cheryl's potential witchness. <laughs> yeah, right there for real. I mean, it seems that any house that she lives in just becomes that. So Cheryl refuses to testify on FP's behalf to try to get the sentence reduced. And this is where I feel that she has left her character development back in season one. Because, okay, Penelope is super horrible, and that's not surprising. But Cheryl's no living, breathing reminder of the worst time of my life is such a bad take that it doesn't feel like the same character to me in this instance. No. Agreed. So I feel like she gets she gets broken a little bit to make this harder for Betty and Jughead. But, you know, we'll we'll catch up with that later. But bad Cheryl. I am sad now. Reggie, dear God, Reggie, shows up to the Andrews house wearing a fucking black hood to deliver Archie's drugs that he needs to stay vigilant to beat the shit out of a guy wearing a black hood. Good God. Reggie, why? <sighs> it's he... so bad. I mean, this is literally the dumbest prank, the dumbest one that there is, and yet he turns around and is at least baseline intelligent enough to point out how dumb Archie's tackle the murderer with a gun plan is. So I think, like, Reggie's mental competence is just pinballing all over the place in this scene. Like, I don't even know what's going on. I mean, teenagers can be a lot better at projecting consequences onto other people than they are themselves. That's true. That's true. I'm not sure it fully explains this, but no, it is a fair no. point. Uh, also, enough awareness to recognize that Archie probably shouldn't be taking drugs at this point. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, hey, this is actually a bad idea for you, kid. Yeah. I will still sell these to you, though, <laughs> because I like money, and I am a douchebag. <laughs> I did like that moment, though, when he's like, whoa, these are the last thing you need right now. Yeah. It's true. And they super, super are. <laughs> Alice finds out that Grundy was killed with the gift cello bow. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, yes. And so at this point, FP is in deep shit. And Betty decides that enough is fucking enough and literally just blackmails Cheryl with the release of her twin brother's death video. Yeah, that took and this already pretty bad in terms of, like, treating characters' plotline in this episode, mm -hmm. and just put it right in the toilet. Here's the thing. This is what Betty would do in this situation, yeah. is my take. Me too. The, the, the idea that she would be in this situation is a hideous breaking of Cheryl's character, but if Cheryl took all those options away and all that was left was force... Betty would fucking use force. This is what is I think. My... Yeah, that's my read on Betty. I think Betty's this person. I don't think she's very nice at all. Not when she needs to be not nice. No, and not and, when it's uh, about anyone she cares about at all. Indeed, indeed. She that's has fair. an, avenging, an avenging mama good. bear thing going on that, like, she, like, honestly, if one of the kids was going to actually kill someone <laughs> in this show, she would be my number one pick. Any... That's fair. That's yeah, fair. I think that Alice and Betty are so capable of murder. <laughs> just... Oh, very, God. very much so. Yes, like a recurring theme with Betty's character is actually that the presumption that she is a, like, quote-unquote good girl is... Kind of wrong and wrong. dumb. Yeah, it's not yeah. something that people should do, so... Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll give well, that and, to and, you. And, and as much as she butts heads and really detests her mother here and there, 
they're super very similar to each oh, other. Oh, they're definitely cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that's keeping Betty in line is that she loves ostensibly good people. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. If like just change the friend group and she's like the villain. Yeah. But I also like that mm-hmm. that she's going to do what needs to be done like when when people are going to hurt people that she loves. She's like, "No, fuck you. I'm I will hurt you instead." Uh because sometimes that's all there is and she's the punisher. <laughs> My favorite thing about this scene is that Cheryl was like well, I don't like being screwed over. Oh, wait, it's hot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, like I said, these two have more sexual chemistry than Jughead and Betty do. It's very true. That uh, is all the so, way back to season so one. true. Oh, my God. Like, Cheryl could tempt her to the dark side. Like, this is a real arc that could really happen in this show. This show, please, please step it up. Dear Roberto Girasacasa. Yeah. <laughs> so, Quinn had something to point out about this scene specifically about cheryl's locker i believe she has apparently just several large red lights inside of her locker <laughs> so that when she opens it it can pour mood lighting onto her <laughs> and just bathe her in a warm red glow if i had a theme color i would want it to come out of my locker too what a winner yeah she's she is ready I to mean, go anytime if only she wasn't needlessly horrible in her last scene. At this point, Archie brings his it's actually all about me theory to Sheriff Keller. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> the sheriff is quick to uh, notify him that Grundy's ex has a airtight alibi. So go home, Archie. You seem a little tense. Yeah, and obviously the police are not handling this investigation very well, generally speaking. And Archie is right to want to look deeper into it. But there is something that seems almost precious about him walking up to the sheriff and being like, no, but you don't understand. I'm a special boy and it's about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the narrative will eventually sort of exonerate him or at least or, or like uh, vindicate him on this. Oh, I but he has have no, no doubt about that. Like right now. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, Archie is a very special boy and uh, we... We should all just acknowledge that he's the chosen one. I mean... (laughs) Betty's blackmail bears its dark fruit, and Cheryl drops a bombshell of a testimony, causing the judge to decide to revisit FP's sentence. And if you get that deep cut from season one, I'm sorry. Then we sort of cut over to the retro night, the let's make some money so that Pops doesn't have to close situation. And... Apparently, Cheryl can just join the Pussycats. Just, boom, I'm part of your group for the day. And effortlessly perform a bizarre doo-wop-style cover of goddamn Milkshake. Standing on the roof. On the roof. On the roof. And it immediately drew a huge crowd. And they had lighting up there ready to go. They did. They did. Highly professional. And I'm going to point out that this cover of this song has an enormous amount of complex harmony in it. <laughs> they didn't have time to practice it. This is just a thing she can do. <laughs> she's a witch, you guys. She's I mean, I'm not be. saying she's a witch, but she's a witch. She's a goddamn witch. Uh, yeah. 
this, the this hell is a, is this scene? This is some sort of this is some sort of spell that gives you a plus twenty to your perform. That's the only way that this happened, and we watched well, it happen, you guys. And then there's just several images intercut here that are true to Riverdale form, very tonally dissonant with the song that is being <laughs> sung. It is either 150% on the nose, like, what's your first instinct for a song to fit this? Boom, there it is. Or they will go so far in the opposite direction. <laughs> Hiram suggests a charitable contribution, which is super, super obviously just him buying the place. (laughs) And we determine that Hiram really did write the threatening letter and that, boy, howdy, nothing gets him hard like loyalty. Uh Uh-huh. They said uh, Miha in one of the the two parents did. Uh, I always love when when they do. It makes me happy. Um, But Mm -hmm. for me personally... uh, I, I was watching on the CW app, and when they did, it completely killed the rest of the audio quality. It was great. Um, oh my god! Yeah, like the 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 whole rest of the show like tanked for a solid five to ten seconds after they said Miha, and I like scrolled back and uh, so- tried to see if it reset it, but it was like hard coded to fuzz out oh, after man. that. I was like, good job. That's- really funny this app has not been treating me that well um my ability to location spoof has been patched out of Mm -hmm. so now i can't watch them very good anymore uh because like this app every time it goes to commercials it will either fail to load the commercials or fail to load the episode after the commercials so i have to refresh the whole goddamn thing oh man reminds me of my my old days with Hulu back when it was getting started up. I've just been watching it on CWTV.com backslash shows backslash Riverdale. And it's been giving me no problems. That's when I've been watching it. And it had been doing well for me for a while. Uh, And this latest time that I went back to watch these episodes, it was just Garbo. Huh? So yeah, the, the tangled web of the Lodge family gets a little bit more tangled and like, is this all going anywhere? I would venture to say not. That's my, my knee jerk at this point. It seems very archetypal. Like, plans within plans within plans. Ooh, we're so devious. We're all going to be snakes and be devious at each other. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. At least they're all very pretty while they do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we determined that Smithers was replaced by a hot butler. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, okay, here's the thing. His name's not Smithers. No. And that's a problem for me. Yeah, he's not Smithers. But if anyone in the audience guessed that this guy is super loyal to Hiram, you'd be right. So we're going to keep going with that theme. FP wants Jughead to stay the actual hell away from Penny Peabody, which is interesting because she was she seemed rather endearing in her opening scene, if obviously a uh, morally gray character. Mm-hmm. And Archie purchases a handgun from Dilton Doily. Yeah! From Riverdale's resident gun fondler, <laughs> Dilton Doily. I'm sorry, but Dilton Doily's gonna go to jail. He just has... <laughs> I'm going to be in jail written all over him. Oh, you're so right. He really is going to go to jail. Oh, shit. Well, not in Riverdale. God, they're police force. Like, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, Lord knows it's probably not going to be about illegally selling guns, but the boy looks like he's going to go to jail. Here's the thing. I'm going to do a hot take here, and I don't know. Like, you guys may disagree. I think that what Archie does wrong is not tell Fred about the gun and not argue with Fred about the gun. Because if there is a serial killer who is after you 
who who shot your dad and may well be back to finish the job and there is no protective detail on your house you should have at least one firearm like that is in my opinion the unpleasant truth like if you have a very high percentage chance of some psycho coming to your house in the middle of the night and trying to murder you it's that's probably i don't have a gun i have no desire to own one if a serial killer definitely wanted me and my family dead and i knew for sure the cops wouldn't help me i might change my mind i can yeah your point about arguing with his dad about it is a good one because like I feel like that's a really, like, there's a strong argument to be made. Like, okay, I, I know we don't keep guns, Dad, but that guy does, and he's going to be back. I don't want you to die. I don't want to die. And Sheriff Keller. That's the whole argument. Just Sheriff Keller. <laughs> Sheriff Keller, period. Yeah. Even if it was a slightly more competent police force, it's a small town. They probably don't have the manpower to keep, like, a serious protective detail on that household 24-7. I don't know that I would get a I, they would have a better argument they would have a good argument i don't know that they would get a handgun you know uh that would be the net result but well, shit i'd want a shotgun right exactly ditto <laughs> because that's better for you being in your house and not getting murdered right exactly uh, rather rather than being nice and portable so you can go get in a ton of trouble with it in later episodes no, or exactly. something i don't just to pull a random example out of my head <laughs> it it might be better for everyone in the show if archie didn't have a handgun it uh, might well be better for literally everyone. Uh huh. Yeah. No. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah. They should just have a shotgun. Uh, that should just be a thing that they have for home defense because there's a killer after them. But no, that's not what we do. We have an illegal handgun sale on a bridge by night. <laughs> what fuck. the fuck, Dilton? Uh, He's yeah. so He's a- bad. He he is a prepper who listens to Alex Jones and Coast to Coast. Let's he just is, get that yes. out of the way. Like he sucks. Serious. He sucks so bad. <laughs> he really does. And the thing is, he's. I also get like big coward vibes off of him. Like I feel like last season, the second Jughead actually tried to confront him, he was like, "Okay, fine. It was me. I was out there shooting guns." Yeah. How did how did anyone think that Jughead was the school shooter type with him in the room? For real. I guess teenagers are stupid. Yeah. That's the actual answer. So then we do our season two, season plot, episode ending sting. Some uh, attempted murdering going on. And at this point, we don't know it's attempted. Right. Oh, this this hurt me so bad because I love these characters. So Moose and Midge are making out at some obvious lover's lane archetypal Americana thing. And they're doing pixie sticks, I mean jingle jangle. Doing some real drugs, some jingle Uh jangle. And so in case you were worried that that wasn't going to get mentioned a whole bunch more, here here it is again. Nope, here it comes, hand motions and all. And Black Hood just walks up and blows them away with a gun. End of episode. In a way that cinematically I thought was very reminiscent of Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah. Thank God I watched these episodes right in a row and not week to week because I was heartbroken. Yeah. No, it would have been like, especially for someone like you who has additional context Uh, to love these characters. Yeah. Like having to wait a week would have not been a pleasant experience. No, I really love Moose and Midge. uh, And that it was just like, no, my sweet children. It was very bad. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was it was abrupt and f- just matter of fact. Like, uh, this is uh, 
some of Sakasa's influence, I think, because they really do. It was really well stick done. With, mm-hmm. They stick with the visual language very much of like, yeah, Quinn mentions Zodiac. I would also hazard the town that dreaded sundown. Yeah, it, it felt it felt like a horror movie. It felt like it was real. Yeah. And that was the end of that episode. Holy shit. So <laughs> it's River Dew's time. Uh, who starts this time? I completely forget. I was the last one to start one the last time. So maybe Quinn, Quinn should. All righty. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I will start with my River Dew. And that is that sweet, brief, gleaming moment that we get with F.P. Jones. Just it's nice to have him around. And he's still looking out for that boy. He's so sad that he's bungled it as badly as he has um, in terms of making deals with devils or snake charmers. But gosh darn it, I just, I love every scene between those two. And it felt like a real treat to have FP here, even if he was just admonishing his son and being more willing to accept 20 years in prison than letting his boy get sucked into this tangled mess here here i would still say consistently the strongest on-screen chemistry between two actors in the show definitely and yeah i mean that's part of what elevates those two is like some of my very favorite characters in the show like god fp's portrayal of someone who is an addict and a fuck up but ultimately trying as hard as he possibly can to be a good person and as hard as he can just isn't quite enough is very real to me yeah, it's it's real, real good. Uh, so my Riverdue, um, there was a very, very small scene that started with uh, like Ronnie on a couch and then Jughead coming up to her. Uh, and he said, I might not have a blonde ponytail, but what's on your mind? And I was just like, oh, my God. We, they interacted so briefly last season. Mm hmm. And it was like the last episode, really, where they had a thing that's like, we should try to be friends more. Mm-hmm. And it's it's happening, you know, slowly. And you said that was a big thing in the comics for you. Yeah, right? like- yeah. I really adore their friendship in the comics because it doesn't happen often, but they get each other more than the others do. Oh, yeah, like, it makes a thousand percent sense Mm -hmm. that they could just, like, be awesome friends. Yeah, that they're the people who operate from the shadows and get each other just from the opposite sides of things. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just like, oh, my God, it's happening. (laughs) So that made me really, really happy. And it was a dumb, cute little line. Um, So, and it, like, wasn't a big deal. It felt like every time that those two interacted, it was a big deal last season. Whereas this time... Like, it was brightly lit. They had them outside. Uh, They gave space for the scene. Whereas this was in a cramped little contained space. Not a lot happened. They were just, like, checking in to make sure that you know that this is continuing to be a thing. And it was just like, oh, yeah, it's not even a big deal anymore. Cool. They had a a comfortable moment. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was it was homey in a way. It was. Um, I want to I want to see them scheme together i can't wait i am looking super forward to that i also do want to say with that lead up that jughead did and everything we know about jughead through his narration i am getting increasingly a sense that he probably rehearsed that so many times in his head before he went and sat down (laughs) oh jughead how am i gonna approach (laughs) right like he he was probably repeating it over and over until the second he sat down (laughs) 
He had workshopped that a lot, and I love that. God damn it, uh, Quinn, you're right. <laughs> what a cool kid. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Fuck. Uh, my River Do is potentially contentious enough that it could conceivably one of be one of your guys' River Don't. Okay. Which is Betty blackmailing the shit out of Cheryl. I'm just saying, mm. you know what, bitch? I'm going to ruin your life. Mm. If you withhold help from these people that I love that are in deep trouble, I will burn you. Interesting, interesting. It appeals to me enormously from a sense of ethics, like people who can help need to fucking help. And I think it's stupid that that situation even came up, as we mentioned. But since it did, showing this Dark Betty thing happening, not just for her to explore her dark side and have fun, but to save people that she loves was very triumphant to me. I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to disagree with you there. I thought that, like, I had mixed feelings about it going into this discussion, but it fits the themes of her character and nominally her arc. Yes, it was weird that Cheryl put them in this bind, but it, it definitely feels like they're establishing how hard Betty is willing to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's sort of with the caveat that, like, this situation kind of doesn't make sense, but if you take the situation as a given, I felt like it was a very awesome character moment for Betty. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm on board. So that brings us to River Don'ts. Uh, yeah, I think, I guess it's the conclusion to, like, I like the character moment, but I don't like how it's playing out in other, okay, fine, um, <laughs> yeah, it like not because of this episode, but in later episodes and some stuff in this episode. I I really did like the resolution to whatever someone called you the devil incarnate, I protected you. Um Lodge family scene being Hermione being like, "I wrote that letter, sweetie." That whole mm -hmm. thing, the Lodge family drama. Um that made sense to me. Like whatever the Lodge family tension is and Hermione like protecting it. That all yeah. felt correct. However, the way that they're having, like, the loyalty stuff pan out feels lame. Does that make sense? I think that they're hitting the road a little bit too fast with all this business. Yeah, I like, agree. There's There should be a slow burn. Yes. But, like, they threw that out, and then they were immediately giving you the information that, no, she didn't write no, that. No, she yes, didn't. Yes, Hiram loves ro loyalty, like... It's building them up to be, like, vastly cartoonishly evil very, very quickly. Too much. Too much. <laughs> slow, yeah. slow back. Slow your roll, As I said, sure. it's very archetypal. It seems like a very high sizzle, low stake situation. Yeah. That... With this, like, we are all scheming and nothing we say is ever true. And it's wheels within wheels within wheels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pull the mustache. But, like, for what? They're, they're not doing anything. Like, like I, I believe this is all about stuff that already happened in season one. Like it's it's weird to have a new character come into the show who was established as this huge motherfucking deal yeah. for like every episode of the last thing, but he isn't doing anything. Well, but I'm He's sure. Just but I'm sure he is sinister. No, but I'm sure yeah, he but is. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Yeah, we well, do he not have probably that privileged is. Uh, perspective but yet, though. Like, like what um, we have in this episode is that mm -hmm. he menacingly purchased. Pop's chocolate shop. Like he sinisterly bought a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, he bought a restaurant. And for some reason, 
his wife is going to protect him and she's probably scared of him, right? And like Or something. Yeah. Uh okay. I, I get that. I'm I'm on board. Um but like I'm not looking forward to us undercutting whatever she's got going on and I'm like I don't need us to be scared for her now. I need to know what's going on with her. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of beats. Like, there's a lot of movements of these weird machinations without really getting insight into the people doing them. Yeah. And Hiram, I don't need to know what he's doing um, because I... I trust that they're doing shit with him, you know, like, uh, especially because, like, I know what he is in the comics. He's always up to shit. He hates Archie more than anyone hates Archie. I... I get I get Hiram Lodge, but like Veronica and Hermione need a lot of agency and I need to feel it. Well, yes. Um, and that I think is my unspoken worry in this stuff is that Hermione's agency is being subsumed. Yeah. By Hiram's menace. Yeah. And that sure. doesn't feel very good. No. At all. Because it's. It seemed very clear in the first season that she was very self-possessed, super smart, very capable, up to no good. And like my read of the season at this point is that she's just going to get completely pushed off the screen, more or less. Right. It felt like there was a back and forth between Hiram and Hermione on some level. Yeah. And maybe there is. Maybe this is something that's going to pay off, but it definitely has given me pause. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But right now, that's my river don't. Unsurprisingly, from the discussion, my river don't is Cheryl just being horrible. Mm. She doesn't need to be horrible. She had that whole arc. She got revenge on her mom. She burned the fucking house down. She was after being rescued by Archie and the kids. Now she's like, no, I won't save this innocent, or at least mostly innocent, I know it was my dad's fault, person's life that you care about because... I don't want to be reminded of a bad time. Mm. That's just, that's so petty and like evil for no personal gain at all. Like no discernible purpose. It feels like false conflict in the show to me. And I think it's a bad use of her character, especially when we're having this amazing arc of her owning her mother and just being super threatening (laughs) in that way. We have this amazing complex threatening anti-hero thing going on with her and then she just has like the most paper mache one-dimensional villain turn right and for the purposes of like two scenes yeah that's such a persistent problem and it's heartbreaking every time that's my river don't i'll take it i will take it makes sense my river don't is y'all might have picked up on this during the synopsis but the tonal dissonance of the milkshake segment was almost too much for me to bear. It was taking me so far out of what was going on. And, like, I'm super on board for how freaking silly this show is. Like, last season, they had some really ridiculous, like, segments during the talent show while Archie was playing music, and there was, like, ominous stuff going on that didn't really fit. And that worked for me a little bit. But this time, I think it was also the culmination of everything, because... Cheryl had been so awful this whole episode and then she just rolls up and is like okay fine I'll do your stupid song clambers onto the roof um (laughs) there's also part of it that like I don't like how it undercuts some of like the stated purpose of Josie and the Pussycats yeah as like being not a space for white women yeah um yeah that really got me that definitely 
hit me in a place that I was not very happy about at all. And then to top it all off, it was just like really, really clashing with everything else that was going on underneath it. So a big no from me. Fair enough. So then we are on to Weekly Weirds. Yes. Yeah. And uh, very similar, similar spot. My Weekly Weird is 10,000% the fact that Cheryl is able to do complex vocal harmonies without practicing them with the other people and that she can just drop into the Pussycats and do a performance that doesn't sound like garbage. There is no possible explanation for it other than magic. Presumably even teenagers are aware, marginally, of the fact that doing music things is like a thing where it's hard and you have to learn. It was so weird. Like when they set it up, when Cheryl's like, oh, I'm going to join for this. I thought for sure that the whole point was that it was going to be a disaster. Like that's what was going to happen with the scene is that she was not going to have practiced with them and it was going to suck and like, oh shit, is Pops going to get saved when everyone's getting driven away by this like horrible cat murdering going on on the microphones? But no, no, they did like a very vocally challenging performance flawlessly. Just really goddamn weird. Mine was... I. I want to know why Alice knows the coroner from Greendale and, like, why that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Why that guy? Why that guy? (laughs) Like, he is such (laughs) a stereotype. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's because Greendale is a spooky monster movie. It's a spooky, spooky town. Yeah, maybe if that's... They, maybe. That would make me happy if that's where they're building this, because... If, yeah, because that's... Holy what, cow. Holy cow, if the Sabrina show is a spooky monster. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, Look, like, what the I've fuck been... was that, though, right? No, what was As that? You no, know, Mrs. Cooper, I find that I prefer the company of the Right? Dead. Like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I cannot answer that. <laughs> like, Major Navik was also in that scene, so it was fine and it felt really normal. But, like, thinking back on it, it was weird as fuck. Yeah, no, you look yeah, back so and weird. you're like, like I... whoa, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that guy's good, like a human red weird. flag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that was mine. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he he, he does stuff to bodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like... stuff or, or like maybe including eating them. I don't know. I don't well, know right, what's like... going on with him. He's the secret leader of the ghoulies. There you go. <laughs> yeah. He's That's the why I said cannibalism. Oh. It he starts is. there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. I'm actually on board for this, though. <laughs> oh. I'm also going to say he probably writes poems about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the He sounds like that kind of guy. Uh. Oh, I, I want him back, but I also never want to see him again. <laughs> That's fair. Um... It's a good, uh, good time. I'm actually covering my eyes in shame. So my weekly weird, as we already established, was that locker lighting situation. <laughs> Granted, you like you mean that minor glamour, right? <laughs> Granted, those were easily obtainable, like an easily obtainable <laughs> set of lingerie. It was still like so much thought went into that on Cheryl's part, because. She wasn't in the act of actually changing. She had like set that up and was waiting. She staged it. She was she waited waiting herself. for a dramatic conversation. 
because she knew that she could sexually intimidate literally anybody in this entire town. (laughs) What a good person. Despite all of her horrible behavior, she has remained stalwartly in my top four She's very much the Vegeta, and I love her for that. (laughs) She needs a shirt that says bad. She does. She does, though. Bless her heart. (laughs) bless her wicked heart Uh, that is too much for me so if they're just gonna keep doing dc things for screen even though they shouldn't can they go ahead and just give her poison ivy she deserves it just she just let her have that would be so good it's her role yeah yeah it is (laughs) she lives in places named after stinging plants (laughs) and Gosh they said it. Cheryl's gone full poison ivy. They said it. Uh, Christ almighty. Give her the roll. <laughs> give it to her. She she hits those notes uh, so perfectly. God damn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah. That, I think, my friends, is River Do's and River Don'ts, chapter 15. We'll see you next week. With warm thoughts of Cheryl Blossom, we bid you adieu. What a good bad show. <laughs>